It's about time that Locked On Senators and Locked On Devils did a crossover. So I speak to Brandon and Ross, the hosts of Locked On Senators, for this pregame crossover. There's a lot to talk about in today's episode of Locked On Devils, so buckle up, everybody. Your Locked On Devils, your daily podcast on the New Jersey Devils. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi, this is Bryce Salvador, and you're Locked On Devils. It's game day with two teams heading in completely opposite directions. I'm Ross Levitan alongside Brandon Piller here with Locked On Senators, a team that's lost six straight. And we're joined by Trey Matthews, who covers the New Jersey Devils with Locked On Devils. And they're winners of seven straight and ten of their last 11. Trey, what's going on, man? Welcome to the show. Thank you. Th- thanks for having me. Uh, I think this is the second time we've ever done a crossover between one another because I think we did one crossover last year, and I've been dying to do this crossover for quite some time because we got some unfinished business to take care of in regards to Alex DeBrincat. We need to talk about our, our little bit of a fiasco that we had on, on Twitter during the course of the summer and just all all things of that nature. And I'm just so glad that the Devils are performing well right now. Otherwise, this would have been a brutal crossover on my end. I forgot about that. That was good. We'll absolutely get into that. And hey, the Devils have been a fun team to watch this year. There's no two ways about it. Long gone are the trap New Jersey Devils who win 2-1, who win 3-2. This is a pretty fun team to watch, eh, Trey? It is fun, but at the same time, I'm being very conservative about it. It's still very early in the season. We're about to play our 14th game of the year. A lot can happen still. So I, I am enjoying it for right now, but by no means am I saying that the New Jersey Devils are legitimate. I say that they have a chance to be legitimate. So still very early on. Don't want to get too cocky. Don't want to get too far ahead of myself because the, the one thing I relate to is back in the 2017 and 2018 season, the New Jersey Devils at the time of December, if my memory serves me well, were first in the Metropolitan Division. Then come the end of the season, they barely snuck into the wild card and they lost to the Tampa Bay Lightning in the first round in five games. So I use that sort of as an example, which is just a three game losing streak. And the New Jersey Devils might be middle of the pack because the Metro is actually pretty tight right now. I think we're just a few games ahead of the New York Islanders. Surprise, surprise. Never saw that one coming. Or um, and then the Hurricanes follow suit. You, you also cannot sleep on the New York Rangers. I know the Pittsburgh Penguins not really doing too well right now, but they can flip a switch at any given moment. Never want to doubt Alexander Ovechkin. Don't have any faith in the Columbus Blue Jackets. Don't really have any faith in the Philadelphia Flyers. Uh, Potential hot take about me talking about the Flyers. But overall, like you said, it's been very entertaining. It's been fun to watch. But especially with now Mackenzie Blackwood being out for an extended period of time, we are kind of in a vulnerable position when it comes to the goalie position. Trey, I got a question for you. And you can give some insight on this. What's it like to win games? Um, The Ottawa Senators have lost six straight games. Ross, I don't know about you, but I've kind of forgotten what it's like to celebrate a W. Yeah, me too. What's it like to win? Um, You know what? I don't think I've ever been asked that question before because I'm not the one winning. It's the New Jersey Devils. But We ask um, hard-hitting questions here, Trey. Well... It's been a great feeling because quite honestly, guys, um, I was always saying during the course of the offseason, despite the New Jersey Devils missing out on Alex DeBrincat, despite them missing out on Johnny Goodrow, Kevin Fiala, they got better by default. 
So we did get Andre Pilat. Yes, we did overpay him, but he is a great uh, he's a great ad in the locker room. We were anticipating for Jack Hughes, Jesper Bratt, and Nico Heischer. I call them our baby big three to improve, and all three of them have improved in more ways than one. Uh, I said the the goalie position might get better with Vitek Vanacek now added to the roster. Jonathan Bernier is set to return. I, we don't know when. Originally, it was supposed to be American Thanksgiving time, but he revealed recently that he got injured during the course of training camp. So his timeline is now up in the air. But the, the overall point is the New Jersey Devils got better. And the one thing I'm also talking about is, have you ever seen the movie Moneyball uh, that stars Brad Pitt and Jonah Hill? So basically, yep. that's what Tom Fitzgerald, the general manager, has done for the New Jersey Devils. He's gone out and, and found diamonds in the rough. So he traded away Ty Smith for John Marino. Now, John Marino on paper might not seem like a big priority to for, for the opposing team, but we know how effective he could be on the rink. The advanced analytics love him. Normally, I don't like looking at advanced analytics. I'm more of a conservative, just I don't care how hard you hit the puck. I don't care the chances of it going in. I don't care about this particular stat. I just say, like, swing at the puck, either it's going in or it's going out kind of thing. But you know, times have changed, but uh, John Marino has done a fantastic job. Uh, uh, just just a year ago, before the Seattle Kraken's expansion draft, Tom Fitzgerald was able to flip Mikhail Maltsev and, a, and also a draft pick for Ryan Graves. And Ryan Graves has been very good for the New Jersey Devils. He's not just top on the New Jersey Devils in plus minus. He's amongst the leaders in the NHL in plus minus. So that was also another great acquisition for the uh, New Jersey Devils and Tom uh, Fitzgerald in that regards and just finding these diamonds in the rough just finding these guys who can have some sort of an impact and they are low risk but high reward kind of thing that's what Tom Fitzgerald has been doing so far and similar to what happened in Moneyball similar to what happened to that Oakland Athletics team back in the early 2000s the New Jersey Devils have found their band of misfits and it's working together and they're on this lengthy winning streak well, I mean, two players in particular there that you touched on that I'd like to pick up on were guys who we circled going into the offseason both this year and last year as guys who would have helped this Ottawa Senators team, and that's Ryan Graves and John Marino, two guys that lead your team in plus-minus, and they're also just stabilizers. Like, don't they just allow the other guys on that back end to breathe a little bit more freely and help the forwards get up the ice? Absolutely, 100%. So the one thing I talk about about Ryan Graves and John Marino is that they, they know how to hold down the fort. And there's another guy that I want to mention. That's Jonas Siegethaler. Jonas Siegethaler also does the same thing. He was arguably our best defenseman last year, and albeit uh, Dougie Hamilton was out for an extended period of time due to a, to a facial fracture. So just putting that out there. But Jonas Siegethaler, John Marino, Ryan Graves, once again, just guys who fall underneath the radar, diamonds in the rough, um, and, and just having that overall big impact for New Jersey Devils. So, the one thing I talk about it, a, a couple episodes ago, when the New Jersey Devils played the Edmonton Oilers, you saw John Marino, you saw Ryan Graves, you saw uh, Jonas Siegethaler, you saw whoever just trying to smother Connor McDavid. Yes, Connor McDavid did score in that game. He scored in period number one. But as the game progressed, what I saw was the New Jersey Devils just teaming up on Connor McDavid. And I think at one point during the game, this was minuscule, so it was it, it, probably flew over the heads of most people, but Connor McDavid tried to check John Marino into the boards and John Marino took it like it was nothing. Like he just like brushed it off and stood tall, didn't stumble, didn't do anything. And he continued to just maneuver the puck into neutral zone. 
So overall, John Marino has just been that great impact for New Jersey Devils. And something that we've been talking about amongst like the New Jersey Devils personalities, whether we're reporters, podcasters, whatever the case might be, we refer to the New Jersey Devils defensive unit as the Sasquatch squad. Yeah, try saying that 10 times faster. There's got to be an easier way to say, say this. I've been pushing for it. But the Sasquatch squad, just overall, just big guys who know how to play great defense. And that's what helps the New Jersey Devils in that sort of regards. And just seeing John Marino, just seeing Ryan Graves, just seeing uh, Jonas Siegenthaler and also Dougie Hamilton, who was one of the top free agents not too long ago, just working together. And at, in our last game against the Calgary Flames, it was the, the, the two-way that really helped the New Jersey Devils. So you saw Nico Heischer, a great two-way forward. You saw Dougie Hamilton able to get a five-on-three power play goal. You saw Ryan Graves also able to come up big for New Jersey Devils in a few games this year. He already has three goals on the year. Last year, he had six. And we're, and we've only just begun the season. So overall, it, it's just been a, a bunch of great additions for New Jersey Devils. And I'm really satisfied in their overall collective unit. Now, having a collective unit, a big part of making that work is good coaching. And Trey, I want to get your opinion on this. The start of the year... I've never heard a fan base so emphatic about fire the coach chance. Like Lindy Ruff didn't even make it to puck drop of game one. They were announcing his name and the entire arena is doing fire Lindy chance and booing. Like how did this guy go from being public enemy number one for devils fans to now leading the New Jersey devils to the top of their division? Granted shorts the sample size, but they're coming off to a great start after a, a tough start to the season. What is it about Lindy Ruff that's working and where are you at with him? To add to that, I think he's also in the tops for the Jack Adams uh, projection in that sort of regard. So it, it's just a great turnaround in that regard. But um, so first game of the year, the New Jersey Devils were on the road at Philadelphia. They lost the game five to two. And so come second game of the year at the Prudential Center, uh, when they're playing the Detroit Red Wings, it was sort of the same thing. So people were just chanting, fire Lindy Ruff. And it goes back to last year. So it, it didn't just happen just because it happened. Something ha something occurred prior and something led up to it. So people were just frustrated with the New Jersey Devils' overall efforts uh, towards the end of last year. But my overall stance with Lindy Ruff is that, yes, he's an old-school coach. Yes, like he's seen more success early on in his coaching career. But I don't put all the blame on Lindy Ruff last year as to what happened to the New Jersey Devils, because here's some factors they had to deal with. They had to deal with COVID. They had to deal with injuries. And they just had to deal with, like, meant, I think you guys can attest uh, to me on this in this regards. You know how hard it is to just get some sort of consistency going when your games are getting delayed, when your games are getting canceled, when half your team is out due to COVID. And not to mention the New Jersey Devils were just hit with the injury bug. And it really affected us in the goalie position because I know you guys talk about being a goalie friendly show. The New Jersey Devils were anything but that last year because they had to go through like seven goalies, including uh, they had to bring up an emergency backup goalie. And he's a friend of my show, Kyle Shapiro. But um, overall, it was just like, what does Lindy Ruff have to work with? Because I just mentioned uh, Dougie Hamilton was out for an extended period of time due to a facial fracture. Miles Wood, who's been a great energizer for New Jersey Devils and has kept some games alive for us. He was out all but like three or so games last year due to having surgery. Jonathan Bernier went out uh, early on. Mackenzie Blackwood re-aggravated his ankle uh, in January. He was out for an extended period of time. Towards the end of the year, Jack Hughes was sidelined. And then 
on top of that, Jack Hughes got hurt second game of the year and he was out for a few months. So overall, it's just like I could we could talk about what Lindy Ruff had to work with. I'll tell you what he didn't have to work with. Jack Hughes, Nico Keisher, Jesper Brad, P.K. Subban, Dougie Hamilton, Jonathan Bernier, Mackenzie Blackwood. The list goes on. So I was just like, look. If you want to fire the supporting cast around him, that's okay. So they fired Mark Recchi. They didn't renew Alon Nazardine's contract. I was like, okay, that's good, but he's held to a shorter leash. And now this year, it's just like when the New Jersey Devils lost back-to-back games 5-2 to two, with the talent that we're supposed to have and the improvement that we're supposed to show, people were just like, it's time to fire Lindy Ruff because these people were talking about Lindy Ruff should have been fired towards the end of the year. And I was just like, give it some time. Now, this is a potentially a hot take, but if it was like, if the New Jersey Devils began the season like one in five, I think Lindy Ruff quite honestly might've been gone because right behind him, Andrew Burnett, who we all know what he was able to do for the Florida Panthers in the midst of a scandal. He was able to still lead them to the president's trophy. He was a Jack Adams finalist. The Florida Panthers still made a legitimate playoff run despite having uh, Joe Quinville resign due to what happened in Chicago last year. So, that, that that's something you have to take into consideration, which is even if Lindy Ruff is fired, we still have a coach right behind him who knows how to weather the storm. He knows how to make the most out of a pretty murky situation. So I think that's what people were talking about saying, get Andrew Burnett because what we know what he's capable of doing. We know how it can work. We're seeing the specialty, uh, te- the special teams, excuse me, improve somewhat in terms of overall game plan. Devils are tops in the league for penalty kill. Uh, the power play still needs some work, but overall that's all Andrew Burnett because Mark Recchi was struggling with that last year. So people were just pushing for maybe it's time for Andrew Burnett to be the head coach. And not to mention, this is Lindy Ruff's final year of his contract. I don't anticipate that he's going to sign an extension. I think he's going to retire because I think he's a short-term solution. I don't think he's a long-term solution, but I don't think, I, I never thought Lindy Ruff should have been fired. I just thought under circumstances, He didn't really have much to work with, but I think people were also a little ticked off of what he was saying in interviews in regards to Jesper Bratt uh, not getting enough ice time compared to like Nico Keisha or Jack Hughes, despite Jesper Bratt arguably being our best player this year or just last year as well, just talking about the wrong answers in press conference. I think that's what also rubbed people the wrong way. All right, coming up on the show, Trey's going to quiz us about the Ottawa Senators and their slow start to the season. And then we got beef. We need to bury at the end of this show the young cores between these two franchises. But first, here's a word from one of our favorite sponsors. Before we continue with today's episode, I want to inform you guys about BetOnline. So BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get all the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. We're always the fastest, easy way to get your betting fix. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. BetOnline, where the game starts. Please remember to gamble responsibly and visit our friends at Lockdown Bets for all your betting needs there as well. Okay, let's get back to this crossover between Lockdown Devils and Lockdown Senators. Take it away. You are listening to a crossover edition of the Locked On NHL Podcast. It's the Locked On Devils, Locked On Senators right here before a 7 p.m. puck drop in East Rutherford, New Jersey. 
where the streaking Devils will look to make it eight wins in a row. And the Ottawa Senators will hope that six is enough. Stop the bleeding. Pillsy, where are you at with the Sens right now? Uh, I, I mentioned it in our postcast, Ross, and I, I feel like this just rings true. As fans of the Ottawa Senators, we love the Ottawa Senators and love Hurts. Like, I mean, we had so much better expectations. Uh, although a lot a lot of the newcomers, Giroux and Dabrinkit, they're still putting up points. Dabrinkit only two goals, though. Shooting at a 4% success rate is not what we expected, but he's still contributing, and we're getting decent goaltending. And this is just not what we expected here. We thought, Ross, that the four-game win streak was just going to keep going on and on and on, and we were going to ride that, and it has been a epic downfall since then. So I got to ask you guys, what were your – you talked about my expectations going into the Devil season. I personally thought that the Ottawa Senators were going to improve because you guys were able to have somewhat of a successful offseason. And you were also able to get one of the bigger names that, that was available in trade discussions at a very cheap penny, might I add. And that was Alex Dabrinkat, because I, I talked about the Devils potentially getting Alex Dabrinkat via a trade. So I got to ask you, what were your expectations going this season? Were you Because I was saying for the Devils, anywhere from middle of the pack to wild card team, were you, did you have those same expectations for the Senators? The way we worded it, Trey, was we want to play meaningful games in March and April. Like, at least put yourself in a position to not be selling at the trade deadline. And you said improved? Well, you know what? If they win one of their next eight games, they did better than last year in the first 20 games and the year before where they won low four twenty. So the bar was set extremely low, but you're right. There was an exciting offseason. You don't win games in the offseason, but you can certainly get your fans engaged, and that's what they did. They were able to sell out the home opener. It was an awesome atmosphere. They win 7-5 against Boston. Boston still only has two losses on the year. Ottawa was able to hand them one in a really exciting game, and the vibes were just so high. And then now it's fallen apart in every way you could have imagined. Like one game, they're getting outplayed in Florida. Then they're getting outplayed in Tampa. But now the the script is flipped. They've dominated on the shot clock the last four games. They've played really well, and they just – can't buy a win it's a different problem every game and now it seems like the overarching one is defensive breakdowns where we don't have a stabilizer like ryan graves or john marino or jonas siegenthaler we don't have any of those guys we we instead of looking in the bargain bin for good defensive players the ottawa senators decided they were going to go with veterans who kind of lost a step like nick holden like travis hamnick and even a guy who's you may as well strap a rocket to his back and send him to the moon in Nikita Zaitsev. That guy can't go five seconds without making a mistake out there. So they're really just shooting themselves in their own foot. And that's kind of where we're at right now with the season. Okay. We've talked about the negative aspect. You guys are on a six game losing streak. You're eighth in the Atlantic division. So that's a nice last. <laughs> I was, I was trying to be polite. I was trying to be polite. I was, I was just trying to be polite. Let's talk about some positives. Like what, who needs to step up their game? Because when I when I talk about the New Jersey Devils on a losing streak, I look at players that needed to step up their overall game and have done so. So when the Devils lost their first two games of the year, 5-2, to two, I was like, look, the goaltending needs to step up. The yeah. defense also needs to step up. So-and-so player needs to be the X factor. Because one of the things I talk about Andre Pilat and, and the overall signing was that he is the person that the Devils have to rely on in order to uh, get themselves out the gutter. 
Unfortunately, he's going to be out eight to 10 weeks due to a groin uh, surgery. But that's beside the point that the, the next game against the Anaheim Ducks, in which the Devils were able to get their first win, Andre Palat stepped up his game. He was the X factor that uh, matchup for the New Jersey Devils. So who do you rely on as your X factor? Who's the leader? Who's the one that gets you out the gutter? Well, I think the obvious answer for the Ottawa Senators, the weak point of this team is the defense. I think everybody knows that, especially Ottawa Senators fans. And the guy that's been propping up this defense for years has been Thomas Shabbat. He's making $8 million. He's viewed as as an elite top pair NHL defenseman. And he has not been that player so far this season. And the thing is, Trey, is every past year, the Senators would just kind of toss anybody with Shabbat. And it's like, oh, it doesn't matter who plays there because he'll elevate their game. So we'll just put anyone there. This season, they said, okay, we're going to give Thomas Shabbat our best right shot defenseman. So we can have a true top pair. Artem Zub is going to play with him. And then we'll figure out the rest of our decor. Artem Zub and Thomas Shabbat have arguably been this team's worst defense pair. Now, Zub has been injured for a couple games here in the sense of lost all of those games without Zub. Um, so we realized that maybe that's not the issue. Thomas Shabbat is just having a very slow start. His Corsi numbers are not good. He's a guy that's supposed to be able to play with the puck, move up ice with transition, and he's hesitant with the puck. He's making mistakes. He's not playing well in his own end. And look, we're big fans of Thomas Shabbat. He's been on our show, the Locked On Centers podcast, and we got a lot of respect for him. But the simple matter of the fact is we're used to him propping this decor up. And this year, he's been bringing it down. Yeah, it sucks too because the power play has so many weapons and it just feels like he's slowing the play down when he gets it at the top of the umbrella. You want to see him making the next move and really make those four penalty killers like shift and shift and the goalie, make him move, get him tired so that that second unit comes out that still has a lot of skill on it and you can really kind of take advantage. But instead, they slow things down. And how many times has he just coughed up the puck at the top of the umbrella? The power play needs to be better. And that's where I'll go as, as my overall thing because the forwards are still producing. Claude Giroux and Alex DeBrinkett have been excellent additions. They both have 11 points in 12 games. Now, would you like Alex DeBrinkett to have more than two goals? One of them was an empty netter. Yeah, of course, but he's turning himself into a bit of a playmaker. He's got nine assists, and he's shooting the puck at a higher clip than he ever has. So the goals will start going in. He's shooting 4%, and his career average is 15. So that's going to straighten itself out, you got to think. However, the power play as a whole, they're without Josh Norris right now, and they will be for the next couple months. He's a good Michigan guy like yourself. He scored 35 goals last year. About half of them were on the power play. They really miss him. He's got a, a shoulder injury, and... No surgery, but he's going to be out for at least the next couple months. But yeah, there, there's a lot of issues on this team, but the leaders are leading. Like Brady Kachuk's first in the NHL in even strength goal uh, points right now. Drake Batherson, over a point per game. It's just as a team, there's not enough attention to defending, and it's just causing them an inability to, to defend at the right time. They're, they can't score two goals in a row. They can't put teams away, and defensively, they're allowing goals at the worst times. Yeah, so when looking at the uh, stats, your goals for over games played, it seems like you guys are somewhat in the middle of the pack in that regards for uh, scoring. So it's respectable, but it's the same issue that the uh, that the New Jersey Devils had, which is their last season, their offense is good and respectable, but the defense, 
that's where things go wrong because you guys are ranked 27th in the entire league for goals against over games played. So, uh, and it, over the last five games, it seems like that Drew is the person that plays the most meaningful, like, um, how would I say this, efficiency because he's leading the team in the last five games with a plus minus of plus one, which isn't really all that good. So it's just like on the defensive side of things, how do you guys tighten it up? Because it seems like in terms of special teams, it, you guys are in the middle of the pack in that regards as well. I mean, the best way to tighten things up, and Ross mentioned it, was to send number 22 Nikita Zaitsev anywhere. But you going to tell him the- his record? you going to tell him a record with, with him without him? It's, I don't know. Uh, what is it with them? I know without them, it's 0 and 7, though, is it not? 4 and 1 with, 0 and 7 without. Or, sorry, other way around. Yeah. With him <laughs> in the lineup, they're 0 and 7. Without him, they're 4 and 1. Yikes. So, I mean, that's pretty clear. And, and, you know, you can say, well, that's a third pair defenseman. You can't put that much on him. But the times he's making mistakes and the utilage, utilage, that's not a word, usage of Nikita Zaitsev um, has just not. There's no, there's no excuse for it. Like, since fans are clamoring, like, tell us why you think Nikita Zaitsev should be in this lineup. And the thing is, there's better options. Jacob Bernard Docker played his first game in the NHL this season. And Ross and I argued on our show after the game, he was this team's best defenseman. And he's in his early 20s and only a handful of NHL games in his entire career. So you can't have... The guys, the veteran shutdown guys that were brought in to stabilize the young prospects, you can't have the young prospects needing to shelter and stabilize these veterans. And that's what it's been like on the defensive end. And it just, the goaltending may seem like it's just okay here, but if you're watching the games and you look at all the goals, these goalies are being hung out to try. Apart from maybe one, two, three goals that you'd like to have back, Anton Forsberg, Cam Talbot, and even Magnus Helberg have all been good goalies for the Ottawa Senators. It's just quick lapses in defensive judgment and getting beat easily in spots like behind the net, in the highest slot, uh, as you're transitioning the puck. It's those things that are just crumbling this team that, as you mentioned, Trey, a lot of their stats are middle of the pack, not 30th of 32, where they sit in the standings. Okay, and my final question for you guys, and this is a question I was asked throughout the course of last year when the Devils were struggling, is the season salvageable? Like, it's still early in the year. Can you guys maybe not get to the playoffs, but maybe just, you know, get into a more respectable position? Or is it tank for Connor Bedard? Are you going to join the Arizona Coyotes, the San Jose Sharks, and uh, also the Anaheim Ducks in that regards? Tank for Connor Bedard? Connor Bedard couldn't fix the problems on this team right now. They, they have no yeah. no trouble scoring. Like they, they need a defenseman in the worst way. I would say, and going into this week, we said crucial week ahead. They need to win two out of three. Well, they've now given themselves no margin for error. So I stand by it. If they can't win uh, both tonight in New Jersey and in Philly on Saturday, then I'm going to start looking at the 2023 draft class. I'm not where Ross is uh, quite yet. Uh, I don't have the tankathon spin meter out. There's 70 games left in the season. And the thing is, if the Ottawa Senators are getting blown out like 5-1 and they're just not even close in any of these games, sure. You know what? A 4-8 and eight record and you're not even close, 
you don't stand a chance unless some major improvements happen. But I believe that this team can turn it around. Hopefully, Artem Zub gets back and that stabilizes the decor. It's possible that Josh Norris could return late this season. Now, is it too little too late? That remains to be seen. But I still have faith that this team can get to where we want them to be. And no, it's the playoffs is looking less and less likely with each loss as you're in a six-game losing streak right off the bat to start this season. But I still believe they can get themselves in a chance to be at least fighting for meaningful games down the stretch. But uh, they got to they gotta stop this skid ASAP. Otherwise, yeah, it's another season of your Ottawa Senators being out of the playoffs in November. Yeah, I mean, uh, just to back up what you guys were saying, I'm looking at some of the scores and, you know, losing to the Vancouver Canucks 6-4. to four, Obviously, the offense was there. Defense, not so much. Or looking well, Trey, early on, looking without, early on. I was just going to say, without empty net goals, all eight of their losses have been by one. Yeah, like They're oh, okay. right there, but they can't win. Yeah. Okay. And, or I, I remember that game against the Boston Bruins. That, that game was intense. That was the was definition wild. of a of a barn burner in which you were able to beat them seven to five. So it seems like your guys' offense is there. And this is what I'm a little like, you know, I think this game against the New Jersey Devils can definitely be a lot more intense than was being made out to be on paper because the New Jersey Devils, uh, we love to score goals and we love to outrun and just try to out hustle the opponent and tire them out. Just as Johnny Goodrow on the Columbus Blue Jackets, when we uh, embarrassed them when they came to the Prudential Center, and by the way, shout out, I got to give a shout out to John Marino for uh, stepping up on the defensive side of things in that regards. But, you know, I think this game can definitely be interesting because your guys' offense is respectable in there. It's just the defense. And I think that's going to cancel it out because I'm projecting the Devils to win. I'm Hopefully I don't eat my words. I'm not trying to say this is a easy win because no win is an easy win in this league. I'm just saying like, you know, I think this game could definitely be somewhat compelling to watch just given how both young these teams are and how both of them just love to generate offense. Well, we'll get to that coming right up. The Ottawa Senators faced New Jersey three times last year and beat them three times last year. Coming up, we'll get into a preview of tonight's game and we still have to get in to that Twitter sphere that was this past summer. All that's coming up. You're listening to a Locked On NHL crossover between Locked On Senators and Locked On Devils. All right, crossover edition, Locked On NHL. Go subscribe to Locked On Devils wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. That's where you can also find the Locked On Senators podcast with myself, Ross Levitan, and Brandon Pillar. We're here with Trey Matthews, and it's a game day. The Devils are hosting the Ottawa Senators. The Devils are red hot. Before we get into the summer back and forth on Twitter, I meant to ask you this when we were talking about the Devils, but you guys have a cult hero down there. You guys have two first overall picks, but it seems like Jesper Brad is just like taking yeah. over the NHL. What is it about this guy? Well, I'm, I know you guys are big on Twitter. Uh, have you ever heard of the phrase, Jesper Bratt is the best player in the NHL? <laughs> it, it, no, it, I haven't it's, heard it's, it. For any, for any Senators fans out there, please don't tweet at me. It's an inside joke. Uh, just look up the Bratt Pack. He is he is like a Twitter uh, he is a Twitter legend in the nice. Devils universe. He, he is amazing. He is awesome. He's a friend of the show. But basically, he has this phrase called, 
Jesper Bratt is the best player in the NHL. It's been featured on MSG, which uh, broadcasts the Devils games. It's been, it's been featured on NHL Network. Uh, so talk about Jesper Bratt. He actually broke the franchise record for longest point streak to start the season at 11. Um, so going into the season, all eyes were on Jack Hughes. And I had a betting expert also on saying that if you put money on Jack Hughes to win the Hart Trophy, especially if the Devils get back into the playoffs, you wouldn't be crazy just because it could be some similar to what Taylor Hall was able to do a few years ago. But now the tables have turned a little bit. Jack Hughes is still pretty much a point-per-game player, but Jesper Bratt has exceeded my expectations. So last year, Jesper Bratt uh, had his quote-unquote breakout year. But I said, I think he's only begun to scratch the surface. I think once he becomes an all-star, which I think he is – destined to be if he continues to, uh, this great point streak that he, or uh, well, he broke the streak, but anyway, uh, talking about uh, just this overall great production, I think he could definitely make the all-star team. I think he could get his name into the heart trophy. I know that I'm, I'm uh, overstepping it just a little bit, but if, if once again, if he's able to, you know, be the first New Jersey devil to crack a hundred points, if he's able to lead the New Jersey devils back into the playoffs, if, he continues this great production. Jesper Bratt uh, possibly winning the Hart Memorial Trophy or at least getting his name into the running. I don't think it would be out of the ordinary. Jesper Bratt has been fantastic for New Jersey Devils, and he is one of the big reasons why the Devils are in the position that they're in right now. But I think my MVP personally is Nico Heischer for the Devils so far. Uh, if, if we want to nod to uh, those Twitter conversations, I'll ask the question this way. Is Jesper Bratt simply a rental player for the New Jersey oh. Devils? Okay, I got the tweets up actually. So you guys tweet <laughs> up. I got the tweets up. So for anyone who needs a refresher, here's what happened. So on August 2nd, you guys tweeted out Alex DeBrinket, and I responded by saying rental. And then <laughs> you said, I'd be bad too if my squad missed out on Fiala, then DeBrinket, then Goodrow, only to settle for overpaying 31-year-old Andre Pallad for five years. I'm guessing Ross tweeted that out. Yeah, I'm the only uh, guy who uses that account. Yeah, that's Ross. Yes. And then I said, LOL, go ahead, laugh now, but mark my words. We're still going to be better than y'all. We're going to win the season series and finish with a better record. Enjoy your rental player. And I, I, I'm trying not to cuss, but I think this is okay. All hell broke loose. Like, every, like I had so many Senators fans just come at me saying I was <laughs> And you guys, uh, or then Ross, uh, let's see, what, what, what did you say? You said probably poured water on the fire, right? No, you did not. You yeah, put, uh, gasoline. Well, yeah, you, if gasoline is the new term for for water, then yes. Sens were three zero zero versus New Jersey last season, and four zero and two since February two thousand nineteen. Go off, King, and um, and then you said Google restricted free agent. Yes, you tweeted that, and <laughs> basically, I had so many Senators fans just come at me, just saying I was insane, saying I was delusional. And then the very next day, Jesper Brad, just before the arbitration hearing was to take place, signed a one-year extension with the New Jersey Devils. And then you guys said rental. And then even more Senators fans came at me to the point where I had to turn off comments when I announced that Jesper Brad was returning to the organization <laughs> because I'm just like, I'm going to, I'm going to continue to get flamed by Senators fans. But um senators fans um i i just gotta i just gotta say hey uh keep that same energy right now because i don't care if the devils uh win or not 
we're, we still have a better record than the Senators and we're in a better position. So, yes, there's a tweet right there if you're watching on YouTube. Uh, Jesper Bratt uh, signs his extension for one year. You guys say rental. Now, the question you that, asked, is Jesper almost, Bratt – We almost ratioed the NHL's official account. Like We were well on our way there, 213. That's hilarious. The timing was just too perfect of him signing the next day. Yeah, and then uh, the, you guys said, oh, how the tables have turned. Now, <laughs> is Jesper Bratt a rental player? I'm going to say no because here because he said before the season that he wants to sign an extension with the New Jersey Devils. And then actually before free agency started in May, he went on a Devils podcast. I, I believe he went on Speak of the Devils podcast and he revealed that he wants to finish what he started with New Jersey. He said he kind of left his nice. agent up to the negotiating process. And I think that was the assumption that everyone made because when you see someone like Kevin Fiala get paid or – who was the one who got paid in Vancouver? Was it um, Miller? Miller? Yeah, Miller. When you see those guys get those kind of contracts, I think uh, Jesper Bratt's agent was just like, we want similar money to like Kevin Fiala. Uh, so give us that extension. But the Devils are saying like, no, but Jesper Bratt had a good season. But prior to that, his numbers were respectable, but nothing impressive. So I personally said I would extend Jesper Bratt for two or three years just to be safe because there's no guarantee that he's going to repeat what he did uh, last year. And like I said, he exceeded my expectations. He bet on himself and he's performing really well for right now. So a lot can happen. I don't want to jinx anything. I don't want to jump the gun on anything, but you know, personally, I don't think he's a rental. I think he genuinely does want to stay with the New Jersey devils. But like I said, it's a long season. If things do go South or if he does have a falling out with, with uh, just management, because I talked about how Lindy Ruff wasn't giving him the necessary playing time compared to like Jack Hughes or Nico Heischer, you know, I, I wouldn't put it past him to say, fine, I'll search for another team that will pay me and give me my minutes. But I think that's an extreme worst case scenario. Yeah. Well, I'm glad we're able to laugh about this. I'm glad it did. Like no one took anything personal and uh, it was a good back and forth uh, Twitter that, Hey, we got, we got a lot of engagement. People got in interested into it. So it's, it's was, just I, was al I was already getting a lot of engagement on Twitter because I said that Martin Brodeur, Mart Martin Brodeur oh, yeah. is the greatest goalie to ever play. Genuinely I mean, believe you that. You haven't heard of Dominic Hasek, I'm assuming, but that's fine. Well, no, I have, but I just think Marty Brodeur is better because think about it. Career leader in wins, shutouts, you know, do, do we could go down the list. Vesna Trophy winner, Stanley Cup champion. They had to change a rule because of Marty Brodeur. The NHL did. So my thing is, like, Mar I think Marty Brodeur is the greatest goalie to ever play. I get that's a little bit of a hot take in the NHL world, but uh, Devils fans genuinely believe that. But, yeah, so I was already getting a lot of heat already because – uh, I think you guys know him. Andrew Berkshire said that, uh, uh, that exactly, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Oh, yeah. A nobody, just, just, just a guy who wanted to just start some trouble. He, he quote tweeted that uh, my tweet and said that Mar Marty Brodeur is not even a top five goalie. And then the official New Jersey devils Twitter page uh, responded to him by saying he was, you know, that meme where it's like Mr. So-and-so or little miss uh, they said, Mr. Terrible hockey takes. And, that that just made me like it, it just exploded. So yeah. prior to you guys uh, and our little bit of a Twitter beef or when, or, or when we're talking about Tim Stutzel and Jack Hughes, 
it, I was already get, being uh, given a lot of attention just because of what I was saying about Martin Brodeur and his overall impact in hockey and also the Devils organization. Ilzy, sorry, this is not for this crossover. Nikita Zaitsev is on waivers. Okay, oh. well, that is great, great news. Trey, if the New Jersey Devils are looking for a veteran shutdown defenseman. No, oh, yeah. Whenever Zay comes uh, over. Well, wow. Let me think about that. Uh, Albert, could I sorry. offer you? Could could I offer you Damon Severson for Deal. somebody? Deal. Okay, because we got Luke Hughes and we got uh, Shimon the Mets in in the pipeline, so we got to get rid of us uh, one of our defensemen, and I think Damon Severson is on borrowed time. So, what's your prediction for tonight's game? I know you said you're feeling a New Jersey Devils win. What exactly do you think this? How do you think this game will go? I'm going to say four to two New Jersey Devils get an empty netter goal uh, because I think <laughs> bang on because I think you guys are definitely going to find a way to get a couple goals. But I just think with our Sasquatch squad on the defensive side, thing, I just don't see the Ottawa Senators posing that big a threat, but I think they're going to try to uh, make it somewhat close. So I think they're, and especially since, uh, I, I'm projecting that maybe the Devils are going to give Akira Schmidt a, a chance in between the pipes because since Mackenzie Blackwood is out for an extended period of time, you don't want to overwork VTech Banchek. Now's the time since we're playing you guys, since we're playing the Arizona Coyotes and also the Montreal Canadiens. Maybe it, it's not out of the realm of possibility that we see Akira Schmidt just so he could get his feet wet once again. So if Schmidt or whoever is in between the pipes for the Devils, I think that the Ottawa Senators will find a way to get a couple goals, but I think the New Jersey Devils are, for the most part, going to control the game, and I think they're going to get an empty netter goal, and I think you guys are going to see why I still believe that Nico Heischer can be a superstar in this league. I love Nico Heischer. I actually like a lot of the pieces on, on the New Jersey Devils. I still think Vanacek's probably not the guy long-term that's going to get you over, over the hump. He's not going to be a top-five goalie all-time like they uh, once had with Martin <laughs> Brodeur, but they, man, they, they're solid. I mean, you probably just um, reminded Sens fans that Jonathan Bernier is still in the NHL. When you dropped that name, I was like, whoa. Yeah, still? so I was I was anticipating for him to retire, quite honestly. And in yeah. fact, I think this is going to be his final go-round and he's just going to play out the contract and then he'll, he'll go off into the sunset. But no, Jonathan Bernier is supposed to return to the New Jersey Devils. The projected timeline was American Thanksgiving, but... Uh, he did, like I said earlier on the episode, he did reveal that he uh, had a little bit of a setback during training camp. So he's not sure when the timeline is. So Jonathan Bernier will still be out for just a, le a greater length of time. Elsie, your prediction for tonight? My prediction is a 3-2 Ottawa Senators overtime win. And how this is going to go, Trey, is Claude Drew is going to score the first goal, maybe in the first minute. The Devils are going to respond immediately with two goals. Devils are going to be leading 2-1. Then the Sens are going to pull their goalie, and the Devils will score on their own net. That, that's the only way the, the Ottawa Senators will not score with uh, their goalie pulled. So the Devils are going to have to score on themselves for the Sens to tie things up. And then it's going to go to overtime. Drake Batherson declared this was a must-win game. He also scored the game winner in overtime last year. Against oh, we New Jersey Devils. Oh my boots. God. We had boots on the ground for that game. We were in the 100 section. It was electric. So that is my, uh, that is my prediction. And that's exactly how it's going to lay out for you. Three, two well, senators overtime win. 
I'm pretty sure maybe Trey can confirm or deny, but I'm pretty sure Drake Batherson sent Ty Smith to Pittsburgh, or should I say Wilkes-Barre with that move in overtime? Yeah. Uh, Ty Smith, well, that was probably one of the reasons, but Ty Smith was on borrowed time the entire uh, year. I call him low light Ty Smith because he was, he, yeah. But, hey, we got John Marino, so I'm not complaining about it. Yeah. And so, you know what? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for making Ty Smith <laughs> look outright foolish. No problem. Um, hey, Trey, I'm not sure what you're up to after the game tonight, but we do our postcast on the Lockdown Senators YouTube page. If you're around for it after a 4-1 Senators win, then, uh, yeah, that's my official prediction. Uh, so we got okay, okay, Ross, Ross, I, I need to give you some reference. Prior to the Edmonton Oilers game, the New Jersey Devils have not allowed any more uh, than 25 shots on goal. And even at their worst, they still find a way to slug things out. So the game against the Vancouver Canucks, it wasn't their best game. They were a little tired due to travel. Their last game against Calgary Flames wasn't their best effort, but they still came away with the win. So my thing is, like, if they lose 4-1, to one, then, they, then we're going back to, like, the first couple games of the year or we're going back to that uh, 6-3 loss against the Washington Capitals in which the New Jersey Devils, from an advanced analytics standpoint, should have won the game, but they couldn't make a save. So are you saying that whoever's in between the pipes for the Devils are gonna ha- is going to have a bad game? No, it, yeah, it just doesn't matter who's in between the pipes. It's a must-win game. You heard from Drake Batherson himself. And when you look at a guy like uh, Claude Giroux, who's at a point per game against New Jersey in his entire career, I think he's going to continue. He's on a six-game point streak right now. But you mentioned that New Jersey doesn't give up a lot of shots. Nico Heischer is on a five-game uh, point streak. Uh, let's see, five goals and four assists. So I said, like, prior to the Edmonton Oilers game, so prior to that, the New Jersey Devils, the uh, highest amount of shots on goal they let up was 25, and that was against the Philadelphia Flyers in the season opener. So uh, they allowed, I believe, 30 shots on goal uh, last time against the Calgary Flames. They were outshot but still found a way to win. And remember so- – don't what? sleep on the BMW line of Miles Wood, Nathan Bastian, and Michael McLeod. All right, we won't sleep on them. But I, So I just looked this up the other day uh, because the Senators had, I think, 18 shots, maybe 15 against the Florida Panthers. And it turns out the Sens don't need many shots to beat the New Jersey Devils. I had to go all the way back to 2012, 2013. But twice that year, they beat New Jersey with less than 15 shots on goal in the entire game. 2 nothing shutout with 11 shots on goal. And the Devils are on a seven-game win streak for the first time since 2011. So I'll, mm. I, I, get it's, I get it's been years, but <laughs> a lot can happen. It'll be fun tonight. We hope everyone enjoys the game and go locked on Devils, locked on Senators afterwards. We'll chat in the postcast for Trey Matthews and Brandon Piller. I'm Ross Levitan, and this has been a crossover edition of the Locked On Senators and Locked On Devils podcast.